0: Thank you.
1: section between Christianity and the horror genre.
0: Hello everybody and welcome back to 2018 in the Fear of God podcast. Clearly this one's going to be a rough one on so many levels. So, more or less with you right now is Nathan, your typical co-host. Usually with me is Reed, but he said something about needing to go get a Brazilian wax, but he did say that on the way back, he'd bring some finger food with him to the recording. So, I mean... I think I know what some of the stuff is he's talking about, but I'm a little confused. I mean, I'm all about, you know, if you need to manscape and all that sort of stuff, it's a new, it's a new era, you know, it's, it's a new, it's a, it's a me too moment i don't know i guess but uh, read i would be more emphatic
1: but i just can't force my vocal cords to do no i was gonna say your vocal cords uh, sound a bit raw (laughs) oh yes that was nice that was good oh my gosh man i am so sorry that 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 we're having to podcast where your voice is on it's it's last uh thread of life
0: yeah well let it not be said that i am not devoted
1: You're utterly dedicated. No, no, everybody admires your your stick-to-itiveness, as it it were. By
0: by the end of our recording, it will be merely a whisper.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, I'll go ahead and take over and give you you some rest to let everybody know what we're going to be talking about today. Because, uh, yes, I am back, and I've brought my finger foods. And, uh, (laughs) I did, I did not go through with the, with the aforementioned activity that you, uh, that you said I might be, because the very thought of it gives me a full body rash, hives all over my body. Wow. So, no, so no, 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 not at all. Um, but no, so, so when we were talking about this series, um, there were several films that got bandied about. That we might include in this sort of hashtag rear window retrospective some of the films of 2017 some of the most provocative and one of the things that that stood out to me there was a couple of reasons why I won't say I pushed you to see this film I mean I, I nudged I definitely nudged but uh, strong compelling. Yes, yes. I kept bringing you, you, it up is the is the thing. You um, did. But uh but obviously, you know, we spoke about it comes at night. We knew we wanted to talk about mother. Um and then uh next week's episode is also a no-brainer. Stay tuned, everyone. But um to fill this slot, there were a couple of different options. I mean, there've been some very interesting films out this year. Uh in fact, listeners voted on a top 10 favorite list of horror films from 2017. So tune in next week to hear what the results of that list were and what your favorite films were. There were several uh, on that list that were candidates for this, opportunities for this. But I really wanted... to do a couple of things first i uh i still feel a bit remiss that the only foreign language film we've covered in 70 plus episodes of the fear of god has been train to busan which is a great episode everybody go back and listen to it if you haven't but um i wanted to, to cover another foreign film and then also this one made a lot of waves in the festival circle this was uh, a controversial a uh, very impactful film to a large number of people. Um, and I wanted an opportunity cause I think there are some very interesting things in it to talk about. So we are going to be talking about, um, the, of course, 2017. I actually believe it was made in 2016 and ran the festival circuit then, but it was released. Yes, widely. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Um, it was released widely in, um, 2017. I'm going to butcher this lady's name. Uh, no offense whatsoever, but, uh, the director, uh, Julia Ducournau I I don't even know if that's right but I'm just going to say uh Julia Ducournau and uh she's obviously a French uh director and her film is Raw uh, so uh, not raw as in like an adjective, that's the name of it, it's called raw um, Although admittedly
0: it is a bit raw It's, as an it, it's a bit
1: raw, yeah, <laughs> the adjective also <clears throat> applies um, So uh, before we talk about that um, We're going to be, I, I feel very proud of us at this moment We're going to be talking about, you know, a foreign film directed by a, a female director no less So I feel, I feel very, uh, you know, self-proud as it were I'm just going to go ahead and call out my own hypocrisy But before we do that, uh, before we dive into this wonderful French film uh, Nathan, I have to to ask you, what you watching? What you reading? What you listening
0: to? <laughs> that was a, uh, you know. I want something. to say I've heard better attempts at French, but none that come to mind. <laughs> Congratulations. It's, it's pretty bad.
1: So it was pretty bad.
0: So apologies to everybody for just how terrible I sound, but. We'll get to the finish line somehow. Um, we'll make it there, or we'll, or we'll get a ski pole to the back. Um, mm-hmm. So, a watching Anna reading for me.
1: All right.
0: So I did start watching. You and I have talked about this um, off pod, though. I don't think we've actually brought it up on the show. I did. And speaking of foreign language. Enterprises to be found on Netflix. Uh, I am five episodes into the Netflix German series Dark, ah, um, which I've heard great things about. They they are pretty accurate. I mean, like it's a, it's like I'm I'm still pretty uh, clearly I'm at the halfway mark. So five out of ten episodes. Like I don't know how they're going to land the plane currently, but um, in terms of pure atmosphere and mood uh it's it's very strong production value is extremely strong really strong ensemble cast um it does make some interesting choices for (laughs) its narrative that that i didn't totally not see coming but i also didn't know they were going to do so it was kind of cool when this took place i'm trying to be intentionally vague there but um i i would highly recommend it uh okay I don't know, given the volume of its content, that we would ever necessarily do, like, a one-off on it, um, a one-episode on it, but it is very much in kind of Fear of God wheelhouse in terms of the tone and the, you know, some of the narrative structure and genre elements and things like that. Um, But, no, I I really dig it. I had heard it pitched as kind of a a variant on the Stranger Things kind of approach, and it Ah. is very much that. So, like, you know... There's a lot of that sort of vibe going on. Um, gotcha. But but it does some very different things that I, I don't know. Like I like Stranger Things one a lot, as we all know. I didn't like Stranger Things two a lot, as we also all know. Um, this is kind of a more grounded take, just in terms of the delivery on that sort of that sort of idea. Gotcha. So.
1: Okay. All right. Yeah, I've been uh, so very I've got curious. One, I've
0: got one more, but I don't know what you've got, so I'm happy to ping pong if
1: you want. Yeah, let's ping pong because I've actually got a couple. Um, so uh, yeah, I, I definitely want to check out Dark. Dark's been on my radar ever since it dropped on Netflix, so I'm very uh, anxious to to finally get around to it. The um, so the, the the first one that I'll mention, I'm going to mention another TV show. I was going to spread these out, but I have three things that I'm that have been just like etching into my brain that I've been, that I've been dying to talk about. Um, so the first is, I've meant to bring this show up for a while now. It's on Netflix. The uh, The first season is available on Netflix. The second season is currently airing on broadcast. I forget the network right now, but have you heard of a show called The Good Place? I have heard of a show called The Good Place, and I've heard very good things about The Good Place. Nathan, I love this show. This show yeah. is... I. I I I love it so so much. So all I will say, I'll I'll well, say two very. Unfortunately,
0: things. I do know the spoiler to the end of season one. Oh, but, are you serious? The, oh yeah yeah
1: yeah, yeah. Crap. That was such it's a great. It's difficult to avoid. Yeah. Oh, that was such a great reveal. That was such a great reveal. That said, I don't I don't know how it's deployed. So like oh okay you know, okay. No, well, I sort of know the the turn. I
0: don't know. Yeah. Like.
1: So, well, okay, so that was, that's one thing. So there is a major spoiler at the end of season one, but, but even more so than that, the entire show has a rhythm that every couple of episodes they throw, um, it reminds me. So, so if you can imagine the mysteries of the island on lost taken with a far more comedic, a more comical tone, there's frequently episodes where like, you know, there's a random episode in season two that. Like right in the middle of it, they introduce sort of a rule and that rule has been in play the entire time. But you but we didn't know it, you know, Um, and so the show has a habit of every couple of episodes throwing you a bit of a curveball. And I remember I've said this multiple times to my wife. I said, I love being able to watch a show that I genuinely have no idea where they're going. No idea. I have no idea where the story is going to land. The show is all about, for those who don't know anything about it, uh, the premise is um, Kristen Bell's character, uh, whose name is Eleanor Shellstrap. She uh, dies, and in the opening scene, she shows up in The Good Place. And her, uh, the lead of the neighbor- her neighborhood in The Good Place is Ted Danson, um, who's an angel named Michael. Um, and he uh, is basically- I thought that was John Travolta. I know, right? No, that's a totally separate yeah. movie. Um, oh, okay. So, but... Uh, but anyway, season two. That's the twist. That's the twist. It's actually... He takes right. off the mask. It's John Travolta. So, um, but, but... So, basically, uh, she... I will tell you... I will spoil for everyone the surprise twist at the end of episode one, um, and then there are multiple... <laughs> I was about to say. Reed, come on, man. No, 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 let, no. Let, no, let no. us watch the show. No, at the end of episode one, uh, because there are twists aplenty throughout the season. But, um, basically, she winds up in the good place, and she's wandering around... Uh, Uh, She's got her own personalized home, a soulmate, all this other kind of stuff. And then at the end of episode one, it reveals, uh, wait a second, something has gone terribly wrong. I am not... I don't belong here. They keep confusing me with somebody else. It's not—it's not really me. Or there's another person with a similar framework or anything like that. Like it, it's not—it's not me. I don't belong here. So that's the twist at the end of episode one: is that she has somehow mistakenly wound up in the good place. And then there are a multitude of other twists as they introduce new characters and you begin to learn more about this world. Um, and what I love about the show is the show really is, as so many of sh- other shows are, about what it means to be human. And I love that they take these quirky inventive little observations to do that in this very life and death heaven and hell kind of kind of motif um i personally love the show i mean uh, well i've heard go
0: ahead i've I've heard nothing but good things about it and in fact two things one i hope because i love mike sure even though i didn't watch the office but that's a whole other conversation Mm. um i do hope this may get you back around to parks and rec because that's a wonderful series oh okay sure you referenced this a second ago, and I don't know if you know this, but Mike sure actually Reached out to and developed a friendship with Damon Lindelof specifically to talk to him about the wow. narrative structure of Lost and how he can apply it to the Good Place oh in my certain gosh. fashion. That is yeah, so funny. Yeah.
1: I did not know that. I never knew that. But I. But now that I do know it, I see it, and it's it's evident in the narrative beats of the of the show. They 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 do an ex in by my standards an exceptional job of keeping you unaware of where the next wrinkle is going to come. And part of it is they've got about at this point now they've got about six or seven characters that they. Juggle and each of those characters have specific arcs that influence the narrative in different ways. So, uh, but it, yeah, it's, it's outstanding. I love it. Um, I'll mention my second one, then I'll pivot back to you. The second one's a little heavier, um, and then I'll end on a really light note. So the second one, um, Uh, It's surprising that it's that I said it's very it's heavier given who I'm about to name drop. But um, so Dave Chappelle has recently done two uh, more Netflix specials. Um, They're in one little grid. They're just called like a collection or whatever. So um, but these uh, he of the two, the first one called Equanimity is very much a comedy stand up special. There's some moments of poignant philosophical observation. But for the most part, it's a standard comedy stand up special. If you like Dave Chappelle and you like his stuff, you will probably like it. But the second one is the one that really sort of blew me away. Um, it is it's called The Berg Revelation, and it is a stand up special. But of the 49 minutes, there are probably only about 10 to 12 minutes of jokes. Um, and there's 30 minutes of philosophizing. And he makes some controversial statements and some very pointed observations. And I have to admit that at least three times I had to stop watching the thing so that I could take note of what he had just said because he makes some profound observations. Um, he's talking specifically about uh, the hashtag Me Too movement um, and some of the celebrity Out, you know, outcasts that have come as a result of that. I won't say anything specific about the observations he makes. I'll just say that if you listen to him, uh, it's likely there will be a handful of things you won't agree with and might even slightly be offended by. But there's also going to be a few things peppered in there that I think you will take pause and go. That is a very uh, powerful thought and and something worth considering and thinking about in the long in the long run of things um, so yeah for those uh, who know Dave Chappelle know his brand of humor and know his brand of uh, of specific philosophizing uh, check I would I would recommend checking out those specials um, and then uh, F will count that's right <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Which he he has a, a new catchphrase that he introduces in equanimity. I can't even repeat it here and uh it, it's Dave Chappelle. And we're friends. No no no. No no no. I can't. <laughs> but uh, uh he is who he is for a reason. He knows what he's he knows what he's doing in terms of just how to approach certain subjects and how to do certain things. But anyway
0: Well, I don't know how heartily I can endorse the sort of point of it, but his Superhero th- running joke, and one of the more recent standups is
1: is perf- pitch perfect. Oh yeah, oh like, yeah. Set up and pay off. You
0: know what I'm talking about?
1: I think it was in his. Uh, I think it was in the the one of the ones that he dropped on Netflix this last time, right? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah.
0: But it's the superhero bit where he he says if if the superhero did this one really terrible thing, but also did all this other good stuff. Oh, like yes, What yes, would yes, you yes. think of him?
1: Do you remember the, Do you remember the payoff? I don't remember the payoff. Not offhand.
0: Well. He's He juxtaposes this running bit with another running bit
1: about Cosby. Oh, right, where Cosby bought the microphone that uh, Martin Luther King delivered the I Have a Dream speech on, right? Oh, I, that I don't remember, but um, uh,
0: I think you just wanted to say Martin Luther King Jr. on Martin Luther King Jr. Day. <laughs> but, right. <laughs> no it's it's too intricate to lay out exactly what it is but there's just a really fantastic and, and pure in terms of pure oratory skill it's it's pretty fantastic like yeah
1: he's good at what uh, he does man he is
0: anyway well cool that's 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 good to know and here and uh again if you'll couch <laughs> so for what it's worth i'm as sort of disheartened at the state of my voice as y'all might be hearing it but i'm gonna plow forward so i don't i don't know how Eerily prophetic you knew you would be read on on almost any level really, but you're just you're awesome, man You're so cool. (laughs)
1: that's that's (laughs) what it is. I'm just I'm I'm awesome (laughs) when you
0: uh, positioned the sort of tagline of this podcast as the beginning of wisdom not the end of the conversation and Mm. In the spirit of that i've been on a reading frenzy this year. Uh, I actually just finished my third of the same author uh, Uh, uh today in fact, um and it's so ironic uh re-listening to a rear window conversation and my my discussion on semantics oh right right yes um to have completed the book you did give me for christmas david Gushy's still christian uh uh, the, the the subtitle of which is um following jesus out of american evangelicalism yes and and it was just such a it's interesting The book reveals itself pretty quickly to be a memoir, which I was not really expecting and Mm. honestly was slightly disheartened by at initial take. Um, But I'm so happy it ultimately is memoir because one, even though he's probably about at least 15, maybe close to 20 years my senior, a lot of his personal experience in terms of being in the hot seat and and aware of the cultural christian moment we've been in the last 25 years i there was a lot of anchor points i remembered and knew and that sort of thing right Um, right but he ultimately reaches this place of just being kind of like i I am a christian he 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 has effectively sort of and there's a lot more that can be said here but he effectively sort of renounces kind of the 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 label of evangelical but Mm. but more than that and i wouldn't i would Listeners of this show if you if you're on episode 71 with us, <laughs> you're pretty you're pretty you're pretty swell folks and I want to and we love you pretty pretty discerning pretty discerning people and I, w- I would one I, it's weird because I read these in tandem so I'm going to encourage them in tandem because they almost are two parts of the same whole um, his so I read still Christian and then immediately finished it based on some of its latter content and got his book called Changing Our Mind. Um, if you go look these books up, um, Changing Our Mind just had a third edition. Be sure you get the third edition because it's got some ancillary back matter that is new to as of September. Um, Changing Our Mind specifically is about the conversation of LGBTQ inclusion in the life of faith of the church. Um and his, I mean, I'll, I'll spoil the ending for you. He, he is an advocate and now ally. And he would term, he, the reason I'll preface this the way I did is because I listened to a podcast of him talking today. And it's interesting because he says what happened to him. And, and he's got an impressive CV. You know, he's got an impressive resume. So he, he's been involved with things. If you're in ministry or aware of ministry or, or around ministry that you're aware of, like he's been his, his hand has touched certain things that you'd be aware of. Mm. And in this podcast conversation, I was listening to of him today. He talks about how. All the disinvitations and how the well dried up for him vocationally on a certain level because of this newfound position, he began to endorse. Mm. But the point, the bigger point. Is what he tries to drive home is we've uh, and there's so much that could be going into here. I'm going to try to just sort of make a real narrow path here. But he says the biggest problem he sees is we've we've rejected a conversation Mm. like he definitely says it's a problem that we reject LGBTQ people writ large. But more than that, he says we've rejected the conversation about their inclusion. Mm. And 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 how disheartening and troubling that is, like, like so much of we we've used this this nomenclature before. The eighty-one percent who would, and again, these are broad strokes. I get it, but who would just ignore the even the conversation, right? You know. And so, <clears throat> anyway, tying that into what you and I do, I'm just I'm grateful that, and, and maybe I'm building a backdoor defense of myself here too, but. It's a conversation, you know, yeah. we, we and, and not just you and I read and Nathan or uh, you, I, and our listeners, but the life of faith should be a conversation. It should be an, an ongoing pursuit of deeper faithfulness and richer maturity that, that does not necessarily shut down things that should continue to be talked about anyway. Sure. Uh, sure. I, I, these are both relatively easy reads, still Christian and changing our mind. They're, I think, max probably like two or 250 pages each. Um, I was on vacation when I read them, so I was able to really devote some bandwidth to it. But I, I just, I, my, I have a, a sibling who is in vocational ministry, and I texted him and I said, you have to read this. Like, not even because you need to personally change your mind i mean he's he's open he's he's not as sort of progressive as i am but that that i'm aware of but he's in ministry if you are in ministry there this is a conversation you need to be a participant and whether you ultimately as the book suggests change your mind or not you need to know what's being talked about anyway so it's it's powerful it's it's for me personally um as a, uh, as a happily married heterosexual man, white man with three lovely children who really doesn't need a worldview perspective, but yet who's always wrestled because of my associations with what it means to intersect faith and those who claim the identifier of homosexual. Um, it, it gave me a lot of hope and, and, and sort of permission for personally to to say, all right, let's 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 kind of do this thing and do this together. So I don't know. It was it was a really proper read. I thank you for, for passing along the book. That was your Christmas gift to me. Uh, You're I I, apolog, I apologize in advance for how much it will dominate our conversations off pod in the coming months <laughs> and, and probably beyond. But uh, it's it's in a way that for me, things like Jerzak's Christ like God, things like Jerzak's her gates will never be shut. It, it, uh, uh, Brian Stevenson's Just Mercy. These, these, these altars in my personal sort of faith and theology and, and maturity—like that—I can point to and say this was a seminal piece of material that affected and 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 grew me and pushed me and and stirred me and, and heartened me at the same time. So I, I would definitely encourage investigating
1: it. Sure, sure. Uh, I've been very interested in some of the texts that you've tweeted out and uh, dropped onto Facebook and stuff. Uh, I've I've liked a lot of what I've seen. So yeah, I've, I'm very curious to read that. I, uh, I I know we're running a little long on this edition, but I, I have one more thing that I'm just dying to talk about, and uh, and then we'll get into uh, <laughs> then we'll then we'll satiate the hunger, as it were. Um, so. Um, I went to see and had we recorded like two days earlier, this wouldn't be a topic of conversation, but I went to see uh, a new flick called The Greatest Showman. So uh, I loved, 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 loved (laughs) this movie. I loved this movie so much. And um, I would even objectively like I've read some criticisms about. Some of its like narrative beats and and uh, a little bit of its you know baptizing of history and stuff like that. And I agree with all of those. Here's what I love about it. Um, so I'm by no means a prude. I mean, we launched a podcast where we talk about Christianity in the horror genre, and then I suggested that we watch Reanimator. And so like I'm you know I'm by no means a content prude, as it were. Um, but I will say that I find it so uh, I'll say painfully rare. To see a film that is family friendly. So, uh, this is rated PG movie. It's u- utterly clean, but is still made for adults and deals with adult issues. That that is not just like you know uh, a new kids film that everybody gets to see, um, and is also not like a Hallmark movie or uh, please forgive me, listeners, like a faith based movie. um, That it's outside of those realms. This is a major. You do know we're talking about the movie Raw today. I really don't think you
0: need to ask the forgiveness (laughs) of our listeners for
1: not endorsing faith based movies. (laughs) That's a good point. That's a really good point. Um, (laughs) So, but uh, but it was just really refreshing. To see a story that also Nathan, and this is why this is why I'm really t- urging you to try to carve some time to take your family to see it. It is utterly void of cynicism. It is a burst of wholehearted, open-armed, um, just bounteous acceptance of who you are and of your place in the world and it is lovely and beautiful. It's also got a lot of touch tones to, like, creative ambitions and ambition itself. And uh, we've talked before you what you've coined the legacy of art versus the legacy of family. It has some very lovely and inspiring things to say about that. I loved it. I loved it. And if people came out of it and were like, oh, yeah, it was just like the story was just a blah, blah, blah. I would be like, you know what? I probably agree with you. I loved it. And I cried 20 right, times. Right. And I just, like, it is... It is just an utterly wonderful burst of cinematic joy, and I, I hope I hope it makes a ton of money because I love that they did this. Um, it's from the people who I guess uh, the lyricists and musicians of La La Land, but La La Land left me feeling a little ambivalent. Like I liked it, but it, it didn't reach the the heights that that it sort of its accolades portrayed to me. Um, Greatest Showman did all of that and more. Like I have I have been so moved in the last couple of days just thinking about. This film and its story and everything like that so i personally wholeheartedly endorse it i want everybody to go see the great well
0: and it's funny i I haven't seen it yet but i did watch that rehearsal footage of of jackman singing that song and it's so uh, incredible and maybe we'll post it but i just love i just i just love hugh jackman and seeing him just in his zone like ah, oh it's thrilling so
1: well and i remember I'll, i'll say this like uh, yes, we should post it to the Facebook page. Um, but and, and listeners will be like, "What in the world?" The fear of God posting this greatest showman thing, but, but, but I'm telling you, it's awesome. Um, I remember when I sent it to you, I had said, "If you've ever wondered what it was like to see the spirit hit Hugh Jackman and then watch the oh, spirit yeah. hit the room, it, yeah. it is it, it is, is unbelievable. Like it, and it, you see it sweep over." And I remember saying, "And this is this will be the last thing I say about it." But I remember saying of that rehearsal footage specifically. I was like I was watching and I say this with no disrespect whatsoever uh to the sanctity of of this actual act but there were moments of worship in that like, sure. like pure sure. unadulterated worship uh it meant something to the people in that room yep. that were singing yep. it and you can see it on their faces and you can see it uh, you can hear it in their voices and it is powerful it is yeah. absolutely wonderful and That's uh yeah and and that is layered that is very much the spirit and heart of the film as well. It's 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 fantastic. I love it. I love it very much. So that was uh yet uh, yet another edition of uh what you watch what you're reading, what you're listening to. Listen don't don't try to sing with your voice. No, I don't even mean when you're sick. Like don't try to sing with your voice. Yeah, I just, yeah, <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. just with the voice I have. Just in <laughs> normal life. Don't bother.
1: <laughs> don't don't do it.
0: That, oh, that message came through loud and clear. My <laughs> sophomore year of high school, when uh, well, actually my junior year of high school, when I was cast in a production of Your Good Man Charlie Brown as Snoopy. <laughs> they wanted me. They wanted me so badly as Snoopy. But knew I didn't sing well They took away my songs And wrote Woodstock Into the into the play
1: Oh my so gosh that, So the Woodstock So they could be
0: Cast Woodstock And sing Snoopy songs With me Just kind of backing up And acting the fool
1: Oh my
0: God! So yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe that's why I'm so envious of Hugh Jackman and don't traditionally like musical theater because I just can't do it. Um, <laughs> so speaking of cynical things, ah, yes, yes, or indeed. relatively. So I'm sure we'll figure something out here. So we are talking <laughs> today about the movie Raw, which I don't know what trivial bits you have. I found one little. I really one only have one. I, yeah. What's yours?
1: Uh, Minus about what the meat in the fridge is made of. Is that yours? Oh,
0: I don't know. I don't have that one at all. What I do have is that apparently during the Toronto Film Festival, um, some viewers received emergency medical services after allegedly fainting from the film's graphic scenes. Which I would totally believe because I kind of wanted to faint, to be quite <laughs> frank
1: with you. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty, it's pretty graphic. This, and you know what's interesting about it is that the, this film does have. I mean, we'll just go ahead and say for for listeners who listen to us uh, before seeing the film or to find out if they want to see the film. Uh, yeah, it's got three moments of. Well, it, it, it's straight up about cannibalism. I mean, let's let's just call it out. Like it's it's straight up about cannibalism, um, and uh, it, it's got a few moments of uh, uh, of. Actually seeing that happen and those moments although not utterly I think part of why they're so unsettling is how realistically they're done. And how almost I'll I'll use the word restrained. It's like they're restrained just enough for you to think it's almost real. And that that that's at least that was my experience of it. Because I've seen films, zombie films and uh and even films sure, where sure. you know where things like that were happening and people people are being devoured, but it's taken to such an absurd level that it's like, okay, well clearly that's a you know, it's gross or scary or whatever, but clearly that's fakery. Whereas Well, this, sure, this is a very this is a very naturalistic approach to Absolutely, absolutely. And I think the all the more genre. Right. And I think all the more uncomfortable as a result. Um, But yeah, I did know that that some people had some trouble uh, holding holding their lunch down Uh, as it were. But interestingly enough, there's a scene where she pulls raw chicken out of the fridge and just begins devouring it. Um, And people said, like, oh, did that put you off meat? And she was like, well, it was made of like, like uh, candy wax and sugar so it, it really put me off of sugar <laughs> she's like I'm having to chew all of these things and it's it's very sweet but she said that's it was more nauseating to think about sugar than it was to think about meat
0: well what's funny about this is my wife in just the last six months or so has has made a, uh, a sharp pivot towards vegetarianism um, for a, a number of different reasons but for her it's, it's very much rooted in the ethics of the thing and, and I applaud yeah. her for that um, at the moment at least I am not I, I I, have adapted a little bit that direction but by no means you know full forced and the moment's going to come where you're going to receive a phone call from my wife thanking you uh, for turning me into a vegetarian because of stupid crap like Texas Chainsaw
1: Massacre and this that's right. That's right. <clears throat> Good grief, man! Uh, yeah, it's true. And and the the film is quite harrowing in that regard. But I, that was the one big thing is that it's like I heard about it, and of course people here coming out of the festival, oh, somebody fainted while watching this movie, and and uh, and and so they they it's kind of like a challenge to horror fans, like oh, can I handle it? Can I watch this movie? Um, but one of the things that was interesting is that when I watched it, it really is. Um, I think it's got some very interesting things to say. Um, And I think that the director is a very intentional director. And I think she's... I think... Because I've watched a couple of interviews that she's done on like the festival circuit and everything. And I think she's intentionally trying to be vague about, hey, what the metaphor is at the center and what this all adds up to and means. Um, But there's a couple of key things that she's kind of playing with that I think are really interesting. And I think she likes the idea, uh, at least what I gleaned from the interviews that she's given about the film. She likes the idea of... Putting something out there and I think she is quoted, I'm going to butcher the quote a little bit, but the idea that she said, she said films don't have to be neat. They can be a little messy and they can be a little complex in what they do to you. They make you feel a thing. They make you um think about certain things and and why did that moment resonate with you or why did that other moment gross you out or why did that other moment offend you or something like that and make you start thinking about the kinds of reactions that you have and why you would have them um so she did write and direct this film so this is very much like an auteur's film this is this is her story uh, her vision as it were so uh the, the biographical I don't know man, I hope I hope not. <laughs> um but the basics uh as it were are that uh this woman uh who is a vegetarian um she is going to college for the first time, the same veterinarian school that her sister goes to, so she's a vegetarian and studying to be a veterinarian it's going to be difficult to get those uh to not mix those two words up but so so she is. Studying to be a veterinarian, and her sister goes to school there. But on like the first week, older um, sister, older sister, yes. Um, on like the first week, she is part of this uh, intense and somewhat disgusting uh, hazing ritual that the uh, older students, the uh, the upperclassmen, uh, put all of the new freshman students through. And so, as part of this, she has to eat a raw—I believe it's duck kidney. No, it's rabbit. it's rabbit. 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 She's got to eat a raw rabbit kidney. Uh, but of course, she's a vegetarian, so she's like, "I can't, I can't do that." She's talked into it. She's coerced. Her sister does it. Uh, she's coerced into doing it—not uh, not forcefully, but like peer pressure coerced. So, um, and then she eats it. That night, she breaks out into a full-body rash. She has a a severe, almost allergic reaction to it. But the worst part is that from that moment on, she finds it nearly impossible to satisfy her hunger specifically for raw flesh uh, or for raw meat. Um, And so, yeah, there's a couple of moments in there. There's one moment where after her... I
0: mean, primarily of... Well, I was going to say primarily of the human variety, though. I guess it's a little bit of both, you know.
1: She actually only, yeah, she actually only eats the one thing. Like, that moment where it really sort of turns a corner, and I know this is, like, for many people was, like, the scene that got them, was, uh, you referenced it jokingly earlier in your introduction to me, but, like, when her sister accidentally cuts her finger off, uh, yeah, uh, what is her i got to look over her name. Uh, Justine, the main character, uh, let's just say she finds the finger appetizing, so uh, we're just going to leave it at that. You can, imagine, you can imagine where that goes. They blame it on the dog, which, but but it's just like, uh, it's very unsettling when that happens because you can see this sort of weird uh, zoning out face come over Justine and she and she just She just eats this thing. Um, But then that develops into what I think is the most interesting element of the movie and why I so badly wanted to talk about it, because the next sort of major, her sister's name is Alexia, and the next sort of major turn in the film is when she realizes that Alexia is also this thing, and that Alexia has actually been orchestrating car accidents so that she can... Rapidly swoop in and kind of uh, get it. I'll just say it. Get a taste of the victims, you know, enough to kind of n- cover her own tracks. And so Justine, our main character, is horrified by this and swears off that she's ever going to do this again. She she swears that she's never going to uh, engage in that again. Um, And that's what I find so interesting about the movie is that then the film kind of plays out and there's a couple of other surprises that come along the way, but the film kind of plays out as this interplay of somebody who is willfully sort of giving in to their desires to do this Tremendously abnormal thing and Someone who is actively squashing That same desire um, And I found that very interesting And um, I, I know you're I'm, I'm trying To be respectful as I can to your voice but also Respectful to our listeners I want to not, talk I know To not dominate the conversation so so What did you so what did you think in general uh, I Don't have any more trivial bits so we can get into kind of likes Dislikes if you want
0: Um As a precursor to that I had a really funny Experience watching this movie uh, where, and maybe we'll put this on the Facebook page too. There's going to be a lot of new content on the Facebook page this week. Um, are you are you familiar with the old SNL bit, massive head wound Harry?
1: I it rings a vague <laughs> bell, but I wouldn't be able to speak to it.
0: It's it's so disgusting, but but. Uh, the moment when she's chomping on brains basically made me think of this because in this old SNL bit I think it's Dana Carvey (laughs) he's this it's so awful he's this character massive head wound hairy and he just has this disgusting prosthetic on his head (laughs) you know like a makeup prosthetic and he shows up he shows up at this party and everyone is just disgusted by him but he's just trying to fit in and be part of the party and I don't know why. I don't know why this happens. I can't remember why this happens in the sketch, but he goes and lays on the couch. Well, there's a real dog in the scene, uh-huh. and who <laughs> comes over to the character and I, I, whatever they used as application for this prosthetic must have attracted... The dog starts gnawing on the prosthetic and pulling on it, and the ca- the actors start corpsing in the scene, no pun intended, <laughs> because it's definitely not supposed to be happening. Uh, this dog starts yanking on this gross
1: prosthetic. It's so disgusting.
0: Oh, that's my God. But that's what this movie made, made me think of as massive head wound hearing.
1: Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm going to have to look that up. We'll put it yeah, on the Facebook
0: we'll, page. We'll, we'll, we'll throw it up there.
1: Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: I'll cut to the chase a bit here. I I did not really enjoy this movie, but, um, the questions I had before I kind of, before the connections you just made for the listener reveal themselves, um, I was like, is this movie saying be a vegetarian? Is this movie saying don't be a vegetarian? Is Is this movie saying don't be a veterinarian? Is this movie saying be a veterinarian? Is this movie saying all veterinarians Are cannibals like oh I really God. was like I don't even know what what On earth is going on with all these people <laughs> Because Now I, When did you what's your sort of experience With the movie did you watch it more than once In order for the podcast
1: I've seen I've seen It twice now yeah so, so sorry uh, No 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 it's okay so the um So yeah the first time I saw It was just because I had seen it uh, As a result of its the waves it made at the festival circuit. So I was just, I was just interested in, you know, seeing what this was about. So when Netflix got it, uh, I believe at the top of 2017, like early in 2017, uh, it was, it was a pretty quick watch for me to seek that, to seek that specific film out. And I remember like, through most of the movie, I was like, uh, okay, like I kind of see the metaphor that they're going for, or at least see what I think the metaphor is, and and uh, you know, it's interesting. It's definitely a very intentional film, and the 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 artfulness of the film is noteworthy. Um, but it wasn't until the final scene, which I'll get to in theme, um, it wasn't until the final scene that I was like, oh. Dang, like that the the final scene really got my brain going about a few things that I think the film was playing with uh throughout its narrative and I'll like,
0: speak I'll speak for those. Maybe in the parlance of the movie, did it get your stomach growling? Yeah. Is, <laughs> is that what happened?
1: Right, right. Um, it got my, um, well, got my well, appetite whetted Well, I ask about the
0: um your experience with it because watching it the first time and, and I didn't know. Like I didn't read a synopsis, I didn't watch a trailer. In fact, until it started I didn't know it was foreign i mean i'm just mm-hmm. like okay it's raw i gotta watch it here we go mm-hmm. um i imagine i'll be grossed out here we go um <laughs> but i didn't know if we were entering some sort of cult scenario that she was just our point of view character for
1: oh i Does see that makes sense okay, like, yeah.
0: mm-hmm. so because it's not super clear like who's doing what how many people right, are doing right. what is this some kind of weirdo, you know, vet school that they turned like the, the rabbit kidney that everybody has to eat, turn people into can. I don't like I really had no idea what was going on. Um, so that's where all those questions came up. Um, yeah. So. So I don't know, like, I'm sure some positive conversation will be yielded because that's what you and I do. But I, I don't I don't envision watching this ever again, but uh, getting into likes, dislikes, which sounds like I like absolutely hated it, I'm not saying that, it's just in fact, my first note on likes,
1: dislikes is I hate body horror movies. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you do. You do. Like, I've known that. Of, I've like known just, that about you. Uh, uh, go, everybody, go revisit our you know reanimator in May episodes, and you'll, yeah, you'll you'll know how Nathan feels about this subgenre. Of well, horror. which is
0: funny because you made this point a minute ago because I thought watching it, I was like, I don't really have a problem with things like Walking Dead and stuff like that, but it's so unnatural the way it's presented yeah, and stuff right. like that. Yeah, you yeah, know absolutely. that that when you have these like body horror naturalistic kind of disgusting like here's the viscera attached psychologically to chewing on a uh, a fresh human finger. Like, okay. (laughs) I really was not interested in that feeling.
1: I would be hard pressed to find it. I think the only body horror film that we've done on the show that you've actively liked, um, even still, I think grossed you out to pieces was the fly. I think that's the only one that I can think of that you, you actively liked that movie, but, but definitely, you know, we're very grossed out by it. Um, Of course, That movie's amazing, so it doesn't surprise me.
0: Um, Well, but there's something about The Fly that, because of the intersection it has with, like, animal bodies... I don't know, like, you are correct. It is a body horror movie, qualify unequivocally as that. And it is disgusting, and it's hard to watch. But it's a little more, dare I say, palatable than... Body on body, horror? I, I don't know.
1: Yeah, there's there's something unsettling. You know, I, I I thought about this many times. Like for me, the idea <laughs> yeah, of really, I do love our conversation on the fly, and <laughs> everyone should go should go listen to listen. Yes, it. it's very funny. It's very funny. Um, <laughs> but I uh, like yeah. There's something about the idea the idea of cannibalism that that. Uh, just appeals to you? Just, no, just, the they polar opposite. There's something about it that, that unsettles me in a way certain other things we talk about don't. There are certain things that, obviously, we're dealing with the horror genre, so we're dealing with a lot of aberrations. We're dealing with a lot of uh, just grotesque, macabre things. But uh, there is something about, like, there have been times where I, even though my palate for all things horror is is usually pretty wide there have been certain specifically cannibal movies that i've been very nervous to even watch um just because like some of the things i've seen i'm like "I, i don't know if i can i don't know if i can entertain that i don't know if i can get into that um so so i was a little worried about this film and again i think a this film has some thematic richness that really uh elevates it above most other films that would be classified in this genre um and then also the the moments of that said thing uh are uh th- there's only three moments of it in the film and they're kind of spread out so it doesn't bombard you with with that element of the film although some people fainted and and needed needed vomit bags
0: i know um, I, I i sincerely like I don't. I don't blame them. It, like yeah, it's. Yeah. It's.
1: It is rough. It will turn your stomach and
0: crawl your skin and blah. Yeah.
1: Um.
0: I, I was. I mean. I did have. Uh. Some likes. Uh. Notably, Alex with her arm up a cow's rear end. That was just. That was beautiful. Um. <laughs> wow. No. In, in all. In all seriousness, I loved the opening scene. I mean, and honestly, oh,
1: yeah, yeah. it.
0: <clears throat> you'll, you'll, I, I think I have a relative as of where you'll go thematically I, I, I don't know that I will as, as readily endorse them not because of an ultimate dislike for the movie I just, I don't know that anyway the opening scene, the way it's shot and executed for me personally set me up for a little bit more interesting take than what I feel like I got if that makes any sense because that oh, opening okay, scene sure. is, really, is really strong
1: yeah, um, yeah, I agree you're talking about the one in the restaurant, right? Or are you the talking about the opening scene? That, no, you're talking, talking about the car about wreck. The very right? opening scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The car wreck. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, just because it's so, like, what just happened? I don't know what sure, I'm getting sure. into now. That was really, and it's rather skillfully shot.
1: No disagreement there. Um, ironically, this film does what I praised Mother for not doing uh, last time, which is show us something that happens in the middle of the movie at the very beginning. <laughs> um, so, and, unless. Well, the, see, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to challenge you there personally okay
0: which which ultimately it doesn't matter but i don't think that's what happens in the middle of the movie i think that is alexia is just activity and we just don't understand oh, it yet we don't I have context that. for it yet
1: I, I, could, I could buy that yeah i could because, accept that
0: because i'm with you the movie does not traffic in like alternate narrative forms it's, it's right it's a straightforward right. movie to me it was just here's the thing you have no context for it but isn't it interesting in piquing your curiosity
1: we're not really going to know what
0: that means until much later
1: I, yeah, I could, I could buy that. I'll adopt that. I'll go ahead and adopt that. Um, I, I don't really have uh, very much in the way of likes, dislikes, except because uh, because most of my most of what I would praise about the film and most of what really drew the film to me, uh, I would mention in either scares or themes. So I don't have anything specific well,
0: that, there. Okay. Well, cool. I, I do have some on this list, and they and truthfully, they aren't all dislikes. Um, what I wrote down is <laughs> uh, other than knowing. And, and still being bosom friends with you, this movie illustrates a perfect reason why I'm glad I went to a tiny liberal arts Christian college of <laughs> the hazing of the first hour. I was oh, like, this is gosh. wretched and terrible. I'm also glad that the apocalypse will happen before my kids hit college age um, so that they don't, are aren't indoctrinated in this hellhole
1: oh my gosh yeah um, that's bro. terrible
0: it's terrible it was terrible i was like oh my god is that what college is actually like for people i know oh god man. that sounds terrible yeah not my um, experience uh but here's a question for you well i'll, I'll, I'll back door into that so i do think it's a narratively clever piece like it, it is i at multiple moments I thought this is a strong script like just some of the lines some of the interplay between Justine and Alex was uh, reflected a verisimilitude of their relationship that you just don't always see I was really impressed with the screenwriting Um, oh man I had another thought there in terms of cleverness but here's a question for you what significance do you take away from the rash that she undergoes? Like what? I feel um, confused by that.
1: I ultimately, it's it's really difficult to it's really difficult to sort of parse out because it feels like everything means something, but because you're given so few uh, right. through line clues, it's difficult to to really get a handle on it. I just kind of took it as her transformative reaction that she's that she's right. entering into this other. Th- I took it as almost okay. So she is she's molting. She's molting. Um, no, well, I'm not being totally funny. Is that what you mean? Like, like. well, I, I, kind of. I would actually equate it more to a physical manifestation of what people would go through, like kind of a rapid stage puberty, if you will. So. Sure. So it was one of those things where for me, when I saw that rash, it's like, OK, well, now she's now this 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 appetite, this desire is in her and her body is responding to the awakening. of Right. Right. That right. Thing. right. Um, but it's happening for her extremely rapidly like in the course of an evening and then by the time she goes to the doctor she's already it's already peeling which is gross in sure. itself but yes. um but yeah that's so that's the way i took it is this it is this um just this transformative representation of now she's you know got right, this, right. this thing in her and it's it's woke up as it as it were um well and yes and i and i think you know i would totally agree with that it was just
0: because, like you said, the dots really aren't connected for you, and this right. is—I I mentioned a second ago that I lost my train of thought. The narrative, the cleverness of the narrative, like again, as as wretched as much of the visuals are in this, and the general content and subject matter, the script is strong, and even moments like when Alex wakes up after she accidentally cuts her finger off, mm-hmm. you're genuinely, you're genuinely like that is an unexpected reaction you know what i mean like her right right. yeah and to learn of her was very i was like oh well that's again
1: Sharing the actual state of what they share um yeah there's some real surprises in the movie that are that are that are effective yeah Yeah, absolutely um uh and i think i would also say that that i this is one of those films that I was not frustrated by the vagueness, but I actually kind of like it because it makes me yeah, yeah. it makes me dig for it a little bit. It lets, it makes me try really hard to have a to have to call out to your statement earlier. It makes me try to have a conversation with the film and with other people who have seen the film to try to figure out what it is that I'm that I'm going after. So it's not purposefully vague to the point of frustration, at least not for me. No, it really no. is in, inviting this sort of what are these metaphors? What do these what do these moments mean? to you or to these characters and and I like well and similar
0: similar to like it comes at night like there's a purpose to what you might experience in terms of frustration Um, I did write down the it might should be in scares when the dad says don't have two girls honey it's too (sighs) hard I was like, oh my God, what about three? Three? <laughs> does, that, does that dodge a bullet? Three's, three's so fine. Easy now. Yes. Right, 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 right.
1: Three's fine. They take care of themselves. Um. One,
0: one, one dislike, and then we can move on to you know scares and whatnot. For as intentional as I feel like the script ultimately is, I do feel like there's a real clear missed opportunity in terms of just kind of payoffs, setup and payoffs, mm. when... So we're going to spoil the movie, just, just you know, I mean, like, most of you probably aren't going to watch it after this conversation anyway, based on the subject matter. So <laughs> it's it's, all right. we're, we're just going to spoil it. Um, throughout the film, Justine develops a relationship, a friendship that's a sort of sexual friendship, a relationship with a gay roommate named Adrian. Right, right. And late in the movie, like, pretty much the climactic sort of, uh, you know, uh, scene or sequence in the movie is she has a really traumatic night Well, she wakes up next to him and you think okay well they must have slept together and this is just her waking up from that well come to find out he's dead in a rather dramatic fashion oh, um, yes and you find out that spoiler alert, Alex is the one who did it and she had stabbed him with a, a an, an item that's that's you see more than once in the movie and then she devoured his leg and he bled to death while he slapped it. was disgusting. But yeah. my, my quibble because I feel like it's right there and maybe it's an indicator I should write more, but do you remember the scene at the very top of the movie when she gets to school and they watch the horse being tranquilized? Yes. Yes. These For what feels like the metaphorical nature of the movie, I didn't understand why, script-wise, they would not have called back to that. Like, Hmm. you know what I mean? Like, instead of, because she stabs him with a ski pole, a ski pole shows up earlier in the movie, but it doesn't, to me, the ski pole itself has no real thematic resonance. It just is an article in the movie. Right. It's kind of like Chekhov's gun, if you will. Whereas the 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 treatment of animals the consumption of animals the Mm -hmm. the putting down of the horse that's all very thematically resonant so it 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 stuck out to me when it's revealed what happens to adrian because i totally thought oh she tranquilized him with the horse tranquilizer
1: oh i see what you You see what i'm saying like it felt like
0: Hmm. an odd note to kind of miss anyway sure uh, you know again it's just sort of a a passing glance. There, An observation.
1: But. Yeah. Uh, well, what's interesting, you bring up this thing about animals and obviously they are all at a veterinary school. But what's interesting is I, I do think the film is going and I have I have heard uh, a handful of interviews with the director, but I haven't heard a lot of substantial uh, information, nothing that I would you know glean off of uh, without crediting to her. But I think one thing for me is there is a very sort of an animal quality to their behavior there's an animal quality to the behavior of the of the humans in the film sure um, yeah. and not only not only in the degree of just like the, the main thing that they all wind up doing, which feels like a very animalistic thing, but also like in the way they carry themselves and in, the, in their body posture and the way they stand uh, in, in in the scenes in the club. Sometimes you'll see her specifically Justine as the movie progresses. She's in a pose that is that is very reminiscent of like a cat or or some right, sort of right. animal. And uh, and I, so I do think that there's although I would be hard pressed to put nice little bumper stickers on it at this moment um i think there's a lot of interesting things going on in the interplay between us as as being human beings um and then animals and then justine has that super i think it's super interesting although initially it's rather weird and off-putting um it has that super interesting conversation right after the hazing um where she talks about uh how monkeys are self-aware and yeah yeah yeah. you know she talks about that and monkey rape uh (laughs) that's was such a disgusting. <laughs> Listeners are going to have no context if they haven't seen the movie. So yes, yeah, they're <laughs> they're, de- they're debating about. It. You'd have to see the movie to know how this whole subject comes up and everything. But they're debating about the the uh, violation of a monkey, and uh, and she's talking about how monkeys are self aware and all this other sort of stuff. And and so there's a lot there's a lot of touch points. Even there's a couple of uh, times where she's going through something and then she envisions like that horse on the treadmill, you know, like there's a lot yeah, of yeah. callbacks to sort of animal behavior and animal feelings. Um, and I think the, what I got out of that, my my personal touch point for that was that the director is making a statement about the animalistic nature of human beings um, and just sort of the the animal instincts and appetites that that we have at play Um Let's go through a couple of scares, if you don't mind. Uh, I have one. I do, but Uh (laughs) Um, I have I have two major ones. I'll mention the first one, and then I'll pivot to you. The uh, it is pretty harrowing the night of her. I'll I'll call it the withdrawal moment, where she's she's decided to to go off meat. And so then she has that moment where she's she's covered in the sheets, but she's oh, yeah. in the whole That's of like coming after is a very harrowing moment, um, very frightening, and and uh, and it's it's pretty it's pretty upsetting. Uh, even though she's making a, what she considers to be an almost moral choice to give this away, you can see what her body's going through to to not consume any more of it, and and yeah, that was that was a pretty frightening moment. What did you have listed down for scares? Hairball. Ugh, that was a gross god! That's one of
0: the most disgusting things I've ever seen in a movie ever.
1: Yes, ever. I don't ever. know how that actress did that. Like, I, honestly I don't either. I don't want
0: to. I don't want to know.
1: No, I don't know either. Well, because it's the sustained nature of it. It's like yeah, it just keeps coming.
0: uh listeners, if you don't watch the movie, which again, for very different reasons than Mother, I would not necessarily encourage. But there's a scene where she's just starting to understand and sate this appetite newfound appetite of hers where she's chewing her hair while talking to a professor and she's chewing it with great vigor Uh, yeah and the scene the scene immediately following it she rushes into the bathroom and vomits up a hairball for a a, a sustained literal minute at least like
1: Uh, yeah oh yeah yeah yeah. it keeps going forever
0: unbroken and it is vile and disgusting and so gross and I wish I'd never seen it yeah that's pretty gross. and I want to suck my thumb in a corner oh so yeah, that was one. Uh, I, I mean, I made a joke about it earlier, but I, I I never had any interest in watching with such clarity a Brazilian wax take place. Oh my um, gosh,
1: that's a, that's a nerve wracking. Although
0: although what I what I did right now, so
1: <laughs> so oh, listeners
0: no. like, no. Well, I mean it's humorous, but it's not like uh, it's a Brazilian wax. It doesn't get much more <laughs> sort of you know invasive. A Brazilian wax is ladiescaping, you know, as opposed to manscaping. It's ladiescaping. And, you know, it's a French movie, so she's she's got body hair. And the sister is assisting in this first Brazilian wax, and it's a it's so wretchedly uncomfortable scene, that culminates with the sister having a difficult time completing the removal of Uh-oh. some of this wax. Which I which see leads how careful you're which, trying
1: to be in describing it. Yeah.
0: Which leads to the scene of the finger getting cut off and and, and it just pivots away. What I wrote down as read, I was like, did she ever get the rest of the wax off? <laughs> 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 like inquiring minds want to know, like, this is a loose end that I need to know what happened. Oh, gosh, we never oh, well, you put me through that hellish torture <laughs> and you didn't pay it off with knowing if she actually got all of
1: the wax off. Oh, my gosh. That is that is it's terrible. Uh, disgusting. That is terrible. Yes, it is. Um, I know it is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know, but
0: my observation indicates that it would be terrible. <laughs>
1: the, the very the very thought is enough to put me off of it yes. just entirely. Um, Well, the, the, the other uh, sort of really scary moment that I had is just you referenced earlier that she wakes up uh, from a, a very traumatic night. Uh, just that whole evening, the events of that night, like when the the video footage of her when they're like teasing her with the corpse, and it's just oh, it's it's gruesome. And she disturbing. gets she gets
0: super drunk at a party, like super like yes, stupid yes. drunk, and and the sister prop sets her up and and humiliates her with some video footage of her doing wretched things, and and she yes. doesn't find out until the next morning
1: yeah it's pretty it's it's pretty it's pretty difficult well Um, at that
0: at that specific party what i wrote down is licking that dude's eyeball did you see that oh yes so gross yes
1: yes. i mean again
0: as much as i will never watch this movie again there is a nice attention to detail other than the <laughs> wax, other than the wax, what happened. Um, but there's this moment where she's wandering through a party and she's, you know, moving amidst all these people. And in the foreground, there's this couple, and the camera just zooms in and then ultimately past them. But as it's zooming towards and ultimately past them the, the female in the cup, the coupling is licking the actual eyeball of the male and I was
1: like oh my god like this is so gross yes yes well my, my final scare that I would mention uh, is uh, is probably a, a nice little pivot to theme um, I did find as I would mentioned earlier I did find the final scene to be pretty uh, arresting and and uh, the dad Yes, the scene with the dad, the the revelation with the dad. Um so to to tell listeners what that is so that then we can we can talk about it. Do you mind if I take the lead on theme this time around? Nope. Um so the the father at the very end what happens is uh as we mentioned earlier this friend that Justine has made uh she wakes up one morning and she finds him uh dead in the bed and it is revealed that her sister Alex killed him and uh devoured at least a good portion of him and then alex is her sister uh, justine like cleans alex up and then after bathing her and getting her sort of cleaned up from everything uh then the next moment is her behind a glass partition in like a jail cell in like a prison um so you realize that Alex. Uh, Is gonna go to prison probably forever. I would imagine for what for this horrendous thing that she's done. Well the very final scene of the film is Justine sitting at a dinner table and The mom has some kind of weird and distanced reactions and and then the mom gets up and leaves And then the dad starts in on this thing where he says, you know, like it's not your fault and Justine's like, you know, I I know it's not my fault Um, but then because the because the mom and dad, to Justine's awareness, the mom and dad have no idea that she has this cannibalistic urge. So they now know about Alex, but they have supposedly no idea that Justine uh, struggles with this, suffers with this. But then the dad, in a very... I, I have to give some huge props to this writing, uh, because I did not... See where this was going. I had I had no idea why the dad was saying these things or where was Gaul going to wind up. But the moment it's sort of made clear what he's saying, um, it's it's very skillfully done. Um, But the dad just starts talking about how, you know, when Alex was younger, she was his little princess and she should have studied philosophy or whatever. And then he says she just couldn't stop being herself. And when he says she just couldn't stop being herself, he starts talking about their mother. And when he starts talking about their mother, the the, the mom and dad went to the same veterinarian school. And they met there. And they fell in love there and got married and all this other sort of stuff. But when he, he talks about when he got, uh, when he fell in love with their, their mother, he says, and then we had our first kiss and he's toying with his lip. He has a hair lip, which many, you know, tons of people have a hair lip. So you don't really think about you know th- that's just a normalcy for a lot of people they're they're born with uh, I believe it's called a cleft palate and so they have to they have to fix that with this hair lip so but then when he says, but then we had our first kiss and he's specifically sort of fingering this hair lip quality for for me in that moment I was like, oh crap like what is what does that mean And then he methodically unbuttons his shirt and when he unbuttons his shirt as he's saying you know like we never could find a solution and then he opens his shirt to reveal a just just complete wall of scars and bite marks and all kinds of just i'll just say chunks missing uh from him and he says with this almost defeated resignation He says to a very horrified Justine, he says, I'm sure you'll find a solution, honey. And then, you know, cut to credits. (laughs) Like, like that's the, that's the final sort of uh, reveal of the film is that this is actually a somewhat hereditary trait. That's part of the reason you can presume that's part of the reason why her family was urging her to be a vegetarian um, and always indoctrinated her with that because the moment you taste it, then you're going to, it's going to become an insatiable appetite. And that was really something that stood out to me for the film as a whole because as I mentioned earlier, you have a character like Alex who is kind of diving in and digging into these impulses and she is causing rest. Can I cut you off
0: real quick? Because I want to... Because I don't want you to get too far down a field and then do it and and undercut where you're going but I wanted to comment on that final scene which clearly is going to feed a lot of your themes and so I want you to be able to get there with richness. Um... Like, I in as much as you, it seems, were uh, stoked and and sort of you know propelled by that final scene. I had a momentary flash of that's clever, and it was immediately undercut by that doesn't make any sense at all. Like it it didn't it didn't work for me because to me it made zero sense. Again, like this is this is a purely objective kind of me. Uh, it wasn't me attempting to nitpick, but it, this is what came to me, was I don't believe that we, we you know, Justine is at least 18 years old. I just don't believe she would never have seen her father shirtless. Like, you know what I
1: mean? Like Oh, I see what you mean. I see what you, know, you mean. You know, like,
0: and, and so it it really, I understood what was being scratched at
1: thematically. sure. It was just sure.
0: like, well, I just... That's pretty implausible to me, but whatever,
1: you know, sure, sure. Well, and I can, I can see what you're, I can see what you're going for there. But if we take, if we take the notion in the film that, that, that she never had, um, one of the things that I found so interesting about it is that, as I mentioned that, that like Alex, her sister is completely uninhibited with these, with these desires. She causes wrecks and satiates these desires and she just does it. Um, but Justine makes a very active decision in the film to not do this. She just chooses to not continue to further this this meat indulgence. Um, and I found that extremely interesting in the general conversation about uh, appetite, as it were, just as human beings. We've talked on the show before uh, about uh, when we talked about uh, zombie zombie films um to any degree, we talk about just the. The insatiable appetites that can develop in our own hearts, and one of the things that I find so fascinating about the way that we talk about certain appetites is, it's almost like there's a self-just like the appetites themselves justify their utter indulgence with with no restraint. It depend- depends on who you talk to and what a reading you talk to. Let me use this uh, interplay. There's there's plenty of people who would balk at at the idea of like restricting certain things that you have a desire to fulfill. There's a, there's a, a notion in the popular culture today that if you have this desire, you should go out and fulfill this desire because the desire is there and it's real and it's justified because it's there and it's real. Um, but there are plenty of things that if people do that, uh, we are horrified by them <laughs> we we are utterly you know in shock that somebody would even even give remotely entertain the notion of giving in to this uh, this um abnormal desire I'm thinking about you know like in the film it's cannibalism in the film it's this idea of like wow really you have an impulse to eat people well you can't do that that's not <laughs> like that's that's not there's no way that you could do that um there's a the other thing that comes to mind is just uh, certain in certain boundaries within sexual intimacy may seem uh, to others to be like well you absolutely can't go there that's that's to a level of a kind of a kind of a perverted nature and I th- I find two basic camps and I find basically the camp that I would in this film put Alex in and the camp that I would put Justine in and the The camp that Alex is in is basically like, oh, so this is a desire that I have. Therefore, I need to satisfy it because it's there and and it requires my it requires my attention. But then there is something within Justine that says, no, there is something off about this. Uh, There's something that that we should not necessarily be engaged in. You know, and and I just found it very interesting. And the basic conversation that I wanted to to have for uh, however many minutes we can have it is just basically this idea that there are <sighs> that there are certain things that I don't believe we should necessarily engage in. I, there are certain things that I don't think we necessarily. There are some appetites that I don't think necessarily need to be fed. Does that make sense? I think sure. there are, some, there are yeah. some impulses that we have that I think i think there's a there's a popular mode of thinking these days that says um if it's there as an appetite you should satisfy it and i just uh, this film made me i was i was challenged and uh provoked in the sense of really sort of thinking about this idea of like well uh the, because the film is playing off of this whole notion of what is normal and what is not, what is average and what is not. And so when the father reveals this and says, like, oh, yeah, you have this gene um, and then tells her, like, I'm sure you'll find a solution to it. Um, it just really struck me the fact that this man in this movie would be living in an ongoing relationship with something. And to him, he's just normalized this this aberration. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. 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 He's he's normalized. This thing that, that most people, this, this cannibalism that most people would consider to be uh, horrendous, but he's normalized it. And it got me just spiraling down this path of, of thinking about different, different ways in which we as people, as human beings, we can sometimes justify our own appetites um, simply because they exist. Uh, in other words, because I want this thing, I am entitled or should be able to have it. Does that is that making any sense, or am I just spiraling like raw into some metaphysical, metaphorical place?
0: No, I mean I do think it makes sense. I think <clears throat> I do think it makes sense. I think I think what I find difficult with this particular movie, though, and what you're going for is the appetite in question is so specific and so, to, to uh, use your word a minute ago, aberrant that it's hard to, like... Like, in other words, the, the, the way the movie ends, regardless of the plausibility factor a minute ago, but the way the movie ends with the dad's revelation, it's kind of like, well, this is just who she is. We've made it work. You'll figure out a way to make it work, too. Like, Right, right.
1: Well, I got the impression that he's saying you'll figure out a way to stop it, because he ta- he talks about it as if it's a problem, but a, but a problem that well, they yeah have not yeah solved. yeah. He,
0: well, I think he's saying this is our solution. You will find a solution for yourself.
1: Oh yeah, I could see that. Yeah, no, I could, I so, could see that. I guess what I'm trying to say is, and
0: and I wrote this down under my themes. My concern I, I think here's a concern, because the more you talk, the more I'm like, okay, yes, there are some some pushes towards some interesting thematic stuff. I'm just worried that the 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 subject matter is so specific and so off the beaten path that it's hard to analogize it to anything else. Like for instance hmm. I wrote down the line Adrian says. So Adrian, the gay roommate, they sleep together initially she sort of broaches it on a subsequent day about their sleeping together. And he gets really angry, and he says, I'm gay, I didn't hide for 20 years to F girls now. And he storms out. Right. Which which I, I'm hopeful the movie is not trying to analogize homosexuality, which, interestingly, based on reading this book it did, and this sort of behavior they... But you see what I'm saying? Like, the, 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 the subject matter of the movie is so troubling and traumatizing and not appropriate or correct that it's hard to then make it work cleanly as a metaphor, which, yes, no metaphor is perfect. No analogy is sure, perfect. Sure, sure. But yeah. in that moment when he says that line, I was like, okay, that feels pretty on the nose because she's, what, 20 years old. I'm me. I didn't not be this thing for 20 years to now be this thing.
1: You know what I mean? Like, Right, right, right. Like it
0: felt like it was very intentionally trying to weigh the scales in that conversation in that moment at least. Um, like I almost wish uh, kudos to the movies that there are to the movie that there are multiple sort of layers to this, but the the thrust of the film as conversation about appetites and indulgences is a little different than what I would have sort of thought because it's so on the nose. You're at veterinary school. It's about meat consumption. Like... Right. Part of me would have almost wanted more of a PSA. about You know what I mean? Like, okay, it's so... sure. It's so right there um, yeah. that the cannibalism aspect... I don't know. I don't know. Like, um, you know, and, and you made this point a minute ago about the, the monkey rape conversation where... So ultimately, the movie sides with Justine. I mean, she's your protagonist.
1: Oh, no question. Right.
0: Well, that particular conversation then is worth a moment's conversation on our part because she says, you know, when a monk, you know, she's 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 making a, uh, a a plea towards the higher intelligence of certain animal species, and and you know, if you were to violate a simian, uh, they have feelings too. They're going to respond to that, and a, and then. A listener to her conversation says well wait a minute are you saying effectively I think she says are you saying raping a monkey is like raping a woman and it's it's crude language but then she answers well yes
1: mm-hmm.
0: and I'm not I'm not stating this I'm just sort of processing as we're talking in 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 the flash as it were um, <laughs> wow I'm worried there's a little confusion like uh, uh, maybe on my part maybe on the movies part like What I've got written down here is, are we just animals, and it takes extra work to civilize? Because I'm not totally sure that is a theme I can sort of buy into. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. we are purely just like the monkeys, or the whatever, or the dolphins. Uh, I'm very much for animal rights and that sort of thing, but like... Sure, sure. I'm not necessarily going to get on board with, we're all the same. We just need to... We need to suppress our... Urges in ways that the animals don't have to um, Is this making sense at all like no, it, I think it, I'm it, just saying there's I'll, there's a there's a bunch of stuff at work in the movie And so I applaud it from that standpoint. It's the the subject matter is so specific and so v- graphic that I Don't know. I, I think I needed a little more direct path to what I think she might be trying to say I don't know
1: well and and to use your animal analogy like I think I, I mean if I were in dialogue with the filmmaker like I would say, one of the things that I that I got from this is that the film is constantly showing us how we are like animals and how we are unlike animals. And one of the things that I took away from it is we are like them in that there are a variety of similar appetites that we would call animalistic, as it were. But we are unlike them in that we have a capacity to make on moral and ethical levels choices about how and whether or not to satisfy those appetites um that, that okay we, well here's
0: a here's a question I'm sorry to cut you off, but I no, think this fine. is good and this is this scratches at the very nature of our conversations like because what you're saying I'm totally for, and I get it, and i can can get with you philosophically there <laughs> my I guess my concern is, does the strength of the subject matter somewhat undercut? And I'm not stating it does. I'm just sort of positing. Like, does the strength of the subject matter somewhat undercut the value of
1: what I think you're driving at? Does that make sense at all? Um, I would. Here's why. Because of that. Again, it's my interpretation. But because of that final scene, I don't think it does, because I do think I read in that final scene, this this helpless man who did not know how to be above this appetite and and commissioning his daughter who at least thus far has been uh, has been able to rise above it um that he's saying to to her like Yes, you you will find a solution, honey. Um, now, you know, I could easily see somebody saying there's a reading of the film where it's just he's defeated and he's being almost uh, right. ironic right. when he says that. But I, I don't know. I don't quite get that. Let me let me briefly bring in and possibly with an eye towards winding down. Let me briefly bring in the scripture passage that I found for this. Um, and the film makes a direct correlation between this insatiable hunger and sexual behavior. Um, The film makes that correlation because even after she decides that she's not going to eat meat anymore, then when she has sex with her friend, uh, she bites on her own arm. You know, so there's a there's a direct connection that's that's being made to the two sort of impulses, the two sort of appetites. Um, And and here's what I had uh, as a possible scripture verse. First Corinthians chapter six and first Corinthians six says in the beginning of verse twelve. Paul is talking about attitudes that people have and he's quoting them and he says "quote I have the right to do anything you say but not everything is beneficial I have the right to do anything you say but I will not be mastered by anything you say food for the stomach and the stomach for food and God will destroy them both the body however is not meant for sexual immorality but for the Lord and the Lord for the body one of the things that I found very interesting in raw and in first Corinthians chapter six is the connection that's being made between physical appetite like food and stomach and sexual desire. And it was really interesting to me to think about the interplay in raw of a moral choice being assigned to what someone from the outside looking in would say was an automated Uh, impulse and automated something that had then happened to her biologically but she's making an active choice she's making a a, I I believe it's 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 in her mind, at the very least, an ethical decision. I will not do this. I am not going to, you know, and and one interesting thing, I have read some theories that says that it's, a, oh, she's really a vampire, or it's a metaphor for, like, uh, you know, all the things sort of stretching into that. The director has officially squashed that. Like, no, she's not a vampire. She's not a werewolf. She's a human. She's a human being dealing with human struggles. And so in that vein, I think about this idea, and I think about this passage where a lot of people say, uh, yeah, I have the right to do anything. Well, yeah, that's true, but not everything's good for you. Right, you have, right, yeah, You right, have the permission, right. you have the right to do whatever, but, the, but it's not all good for you. And some things, and this is the key to that second part of verse 12, but I will not be mastered by anything. Because some things, if you feed them enough, they will become strong enough that you can't, you now barely have a choice but to feed them. You feed them enough and then they are going to become overwhelming and that's where you get into these metaphors of addiction. That's where you get into these conversations about um, how things can just go too far. You get psychologically and neuropathically there's the law of diminishing returns. I know, right? That's that's why we're friends. <laughs> but um, you get this law of diminishing returns that there are certain appetites that you always have to up the game in order right, to right, get right. the satisfaction. And and I think that we and and we don't have the time in this episode um, or really in my head the the forethought. To think or understand, like, this is something that our culture is very much struggling with right now. It's struggling with where are the boundary lines? What are the, the too far and, and this far, no further? Do you bite their arm or do you bite your arm? Like <laughs> Wow. Wow. <laughs> but it is. It's, it's, it's this thing that, like, what what do we do? What do we, you know, how far is too far, and where are the boundary lines? Because sure. for a long, for a long time, the conversation tended towards, you know, oh well, it's a kind of a free for all, and what you want is what you can have. And I think a lot of people, in a, in tremendously horrific ways, with bodies left and right uh, in its wake, are realizing that does not work. Right. That there there has to be boundaries. That there has to be conditions of restraint. That there has to be some sort of center of standard that says this far, no further, uh, to use other biblical language. And, and I think that's something worth considering. I think that's something worth reflecting on. I don't even know if this is a case where, Hey, the fear of God is just infusing this into the film raw (laughs) or not. Um, but that is,
0: I mean, I I think, (laughs) <laughs> um, no, I mean, I, I'll give you some credit there, Reed. You're a thoughtful fellow, and, uh, you know. I thank you. You're you're welcome. Um, I think, just for me personally, the strength of the graphic nature kind of muddied some of what I think is strong about the movie, if that makes any sense.
1: Yeah, it does. No, it totally does. Awesome.
0: Well, in, in that spirit, um, my friend, shall we angle... Towards the one and only. David S. Pumpkins.
1: The, I think the, uh, the third of our trio here. <laughs> he has never been more missed than. <laughs> in this conversation um so as we say as we do on every episode we measure uh by a very specific metric of david s pumpkins uh that uh we measure it uh, every film that we write anyway we uh rate it by a metric of style scares and substance and then we aggregate that together to give this film a score so uh, i'll go ahead and start uh with style for raw this was this was a little tough for me i think um i think i'm gonna land at a three for Style, because I think it's a very artfully made film, I think there's a lot of interesting things going on, and I think that she 's a very intentional filmmaker um, but uh, but then yeah, there's a lot of ambivalence to it, and you know, I can only handle so much ambivalence as it is <laughs>
0: um, I think for me personally, for style, as I normally sort of equate that to a general liking, like um, I, I, to cut of the chase i 'll give it a two. Um, I think that it is thoughtful. And it is visceral, and it is a well-made film. Just the strength of it did, did not make
1: for a pleasant viewing experience. Sure, understandable. And what would you give it for scares?
0: Uh, I'd probably give it a four. It is so discomforting and so yeah, stomach-turning,
1: yeah. if only for the hairball scene alone. That's a four yes, right there. Yes, yes. I think because of the discomforting nature of it, I would land at a four as well. Um, it, it might give someone nightmares if you're really averse to these kind of things, but it's more just sort of disturbing and unsettling. Uh, now, for substance, um, I'm going to land at like a probably a four and a half for this one because I think there's a lot of fascinating things in it uh, I think there's a lot of things worth talking about it I don't even know if we got it right I don't know if I don't know if we got the film or interpreted the film in an accurate way um, but uh, but I think there's a lot of things that you could walk away and have some fascinating discussions about specifically in the areas that we talked about and there's there's a wealth of other things uh, scratching at the film as well what would you give <laughs>
0: were you getting a little queasy there yeah I think I, there's a little bowl of rabbit kidneys next to you if you want to uh, just no, no, throw no. one of those back real quick I finished those <laughs> oh, oh good good maybe that <laughs> explains a lot um, uh, in terms of substance I mean I do think um, I, I'm gonna give it a three I think okay on a pure objective level I might eke that up a little bit eke not eat Um, but I think for me personally, again, the content is so strong that it just, it, it kind of distracts me from what I think you're trying to say. And I think that's where I would land.
1: Okay. Well, that's actually not half bad. Uh, we give, despite our reservations about it and, and our sort of, uh, ambling way that we tried to. Uh, figure it out, uh, we give it 6.5 David S. Pumpkins. That is uh, I
0: mean, that's legit, you know.
1: It's not bad. It's not bad. Um, so, uh, So yeah, that's that was Raw, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know how many of you saw this film, and I don't know how many of you, after listening to this conversation, will, will even want to see this film, but I do think it's fascinating, and I think it, if you do decide to check it out, I think it's worth uh, considering some of this conversation that it seems to be having about, uh, about appetite and indulgence and uh, and how that plays into your own ethics and your own morality. Um, we're gonna uh, we're gonna bounce right now uh, and give you our stock media outro as we uh, typically do. But uh, the fear of God is the. Beginning Are we gonna of bounce? We're, we're gonna bounce. We're gonna bounce. Uh, Are, we gonna like bounce? Tigger, Are you gonna have a sound effect? Like Tigger out of the. Uh, boing, 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 yeah. boing. <laughs> <laughs> sounded like I was kissing The microphone and uh, you, Utterly yeah emotional. that was Weird yeah I'm gonna cut That uh, I'm probably not but The um, so but we there's a Variety of ways to get in Touch with us because the Fear of God is the Beginning of wisdom but Not the end of the Conversation as we know uh, So stay tuned to hear How you can get in touch With us stay tuned next Week for your top favorite Films your top voted Films of 2017 your top Favorite horror films uh, and A very special conversation With a very special guest That I'm very much Looking forward to Nathan thank you so much Even despite being sick for having having this conversation with me. Thank you so much, man.
0: You're welcome.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll see you next week. See you guys. Fear of God is the beginning of wisdom, but not the end of the conversation. To continue this conversation, you can follow us on Twitter at The Fear of God. You can visit us on Facebook to comment on one of our posts or post there yourself. You can follow Reed on Twitter at Read Lackey. You can follow Nathan on Twitter at TheNathanRouse. Visit morethanonelesson.com to leave a comment on this post or any of the other official episode posts. Email us, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com, all one word, fearofgodpodcast at gmail.com. And last but not least, if you listen to us through iTunes, we would greatly appreciate a rating or review. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next week. Hi, everybody!